Isn't good to know that God's grace finds us? That no matter what uh, circumstances our life are in or what mistakes we've made in our life, God's grace finds us. And many have taken the word grace and described it as God's riches at Christ's expense, where Christ is given for us so that we can overcome the sins of our life. And you know, uh, as today we're observing Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, there have uh, been numerous abortions that have been committed since that in 1973 of Roe versus Wade, and uh, a lot of precious lives that could have been born, but they weren't born. And many people who have dealt uh, with that decision they made and how it has impacted their life and their families. But it's good to know that God's grace finds us where we are no matter what we've done in the past and He takes us to a greater future. Today I've asked Erin uh, Ledford if she would come share a little bit about her personal testimony. And uh, she shared at uh, the youth revival service back in the summer and after she did, I told her, I said, when Sanctity of Human Life Sunday comes, I'd like for you to come and share a little bit about your testimony, about where you've been and where God's got you now. So would you welcome Erin Ledford as she comes to share with us this morning. I asked Angel, I said, where is the pulpit that I can stand behind? Um, <laughs> and I, she said, I don't know. They usually have it. I said, well, can you go get it? She was like, no, <laughs> no, I can't go get it. Um, all right, let me get organized here. Um, I was telling Brett when I came in this morning, I said, it's crazy how the Spirit, how you know when He's talking to you. And uh, for the last month, I've been, I'm not a real emotional, I mean, I guess I am, but I'm not really an emotional person. I'm a talker. But... Um, I just have been so, I was like, I don't know what's going on. My husband asked me, he was like, what is wrong with you? Because I'm normally like, oh, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. And then it's like the Lord said, and then Brett called and asked me to speak. And I was like, that's what's wrong. The enemy's just attacking me. And he does it every time before I go speak. Um, but before I start speaking this morning, I want y'all to know this is the first time I have not went to the bathroom and did like this before I speak, because I do it every time, because I always get nervous. It doesn't matter how many times I share. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to share. Um, but the Lord's grace is sufficient. And um, um, I actually have a friend that had a heart attack a few weeks ago, and uh, he's 46 years old, and I had called to check on him. And um, he asked me, he just started crying on the phone, and um, he said, I'm really, Aaron, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a great Christian and all this. And I said, hold up. And he said, what? I said, nobody's a great Christian. I said, wait. And he's like, but how do you get up and how do you share your story? How are you able to speak about that? And, you know, I said, you know, when you get over you and you realize it's not about you and that you're the one that did the mess up, but what God can do through you, you're able to share. Um, so anyways, um, only by the grace of God. Um, I was, I grew up and had a great life. Um, I, my grandfather actually was the pastor of this church um, for several years, and then he pastored at Varnell Baptist, and then, um, I can't remember, the, the one on Cleveland Highway, but anyways, so he was a pastor um, all my life, and my mom and dad, I grew up in church. We went every time, 
you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, and when I was seven, uh, I was at vacation Bible school and I had, I have no doubt that's when the Lord started dealing with me. And, um, I asked the Lord if he would come into my heart and all that, but it's kind of one of those things that I just kind of stayed there. Um, you know, you can ask the Lord to be your savior, but it's different when you ask him to be your, the savior of your life. And, um, I, I, it's kind of like when a baby's born, as a mom and dad, we, we want to teach them. We want to teach them how to eat. We want to teach them how to walk. We want to teach them all these things. But as a Christian, when you ask the Lord into your heart, if you don't ever read his word and you don't ever, if you don't pray and you don't have other counselors that help you and you do need people. I know a lot of times people say, I don't need anybody but Jesus and my Bible. Well, then you're being prideful because you do need people. That's what we're here for. We're here for one another. Um, and uh, I just kind of stayed there. I knew all about Jesus. I knew that he, you know, God sent him to die for us and um, that I had asked him in my heart, so I was going to go to heaven. Well, it's not an insurance policy. Um, just because you say a prayer, if you don't live your life for the Lord and you don't really have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you can know all about him. The devil knows all about him. The devil knows exactly who he is. Um, but anyway, so I went from there and, um, you know, it was a very emotional moment. I'm not gonna lie. I cried and I cried and I have no doubt that the spirit was dealing with me. Um, but I never really, I mean, I was seven and, uh, you know, I was a pretty good kid. I mean, I was a little, you know, a little rambunctious, a little hyper. But, um, so as time went on, I, um, I played ball, I played sports, I played basketball, softball, volleyball, ran track, blah, blah, blah. And I started dating this little boy in middle school. And um, we dated all through high school. Um, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't party, I didn't, I just played ball and hung out with my friends. Um, I was homecoming every year, sweetheart every year. I got Miss Northwest, you know, I just thought I was a good person. Um, And, you know, I never really, it was all about that. It was all about, I didn't realize that it was all about that because I just love people. It didn't matter who you were. I just, and I'm still that way. But um, I was grounded in me. I was grounded in who I was. Um, and I was grounded in my family. And as much as you love your family, your family's not going to be with you on the day that you meet Jesus. Um, so anyways, as time goes on, I had a great, me and my dad were like this, really close. And me and my mom were really close, um, but I was a daddy's girl. And uh, so I went off. I had the full ride to North Carolina State to play basketball, and I didn't pass my graduation test in time because I didn't think grades really mattered. Um, They do. Um, And uh, so I ended up signing with a junior college. And, um, you know, it's funny, my dad was like, he really wasn't okay with it. He was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this. So kids, if your parents have a gut feeling about something, they're normally right. Um, so I went off to college, and um, I went from here, knowing everybody and being friends with everybody, to this whole other world. And I was very sheltered in a lot of ways, um, very naive. Oh, I was so naive. Um, and the girls hated me. I was like, what is going on? And um, they really were not nice to me. And I'm the type, I'll just ask you why. What's wrong? Why are you, you know, why do you not like me? 
And um, my friend was like, Aaron, you're crazy. You just asked that in front of the whole locker room. I'm like, well, I want to know. And um, so I start, they were just mean and hateful, whatever. Well, I met this guy, and um, I had broke up with my boyfriend because I didn't trust him. It was just, I was heartbroken, blah, 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 blah. And um, I started hanging out with this with some of the guys and this other guy. And um, that whole year was just a mess. But then I, when I met this guy named David, um, he was so nice to me. He was so nice and treated me so good. And, um, and I knew my daddy probably was not going to go for it. But um, my daddy, I was very, for whatever reason, I was very rebellious. My dad was one of those. He was a very strong man, and what he said went, and that's just how it was, and there was not going to be any discussing it. And I was a very strong-willed child. That's how I acted at the time. And um, so long story short, um, I met this guy, and I was a virgin and all this, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, I ended up losing my virginity, um, and then few months later, uh, I ended up pregnant. And I didn't even know I was pregnant. That's how naive I was. I was so sick. Um, I'm probably going to forget things in my story, by the way, that it's so long. Um, and I was playing ball and working and all this at the same time because my dad had already told me, you're not dating him. I don't care what you say. And if you are, don't come back home. And I was like, well, then I just won't come home. And, I, and he was like, well, then don't come. And um, so my friend that was my, and my roommate, she asked me one day, she was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, are you sure? And I was like, well, no. And so anyways, I ended up taking a test and I was. And um, I about, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to throw up. I think I did actually. Um, and I just was like in total shock. Like, I can't believe this is happening. How did this happen? Um and uh, so I just automatically thought, I cannot tell my dad. I am not going to be able to tell my dad. He will kill me. And um, so I waited a week or so, and I, and I went home to tell him, and I couldn't tell him. I went home four different times, actually, to tell him. Um, the guy that was so good to me, young ladies, he literally acted like he did not know me the minute I told him I was pregnant. It was like a light switch. Um which that was really hard because I thought he loved me, you know. Um, and it's, it's one of these things, sin, when you start sinning and you know truth, you're so convicted. But then the more you do it, the easier it gets. And the easier it gets, the deeper you get. And the deeper you get, you're going to hit rock bottom. It is a given. Um, but I wasn't grounded in God's Word. I knew what I knew because of what people had taught me, not because I searched it with my heart. And God's Word says to search out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you search. Not because your mom and dad tell you, not because, not because your grandparents tell you, but because your heart, in your heart, you want to know who your Creator is. Um, so anyways, uh, finally, um, I was pretty much by myself for about four weeks. Um, I, my friends that I was friends with, I was always kind of the leader of my friends. And um, the two that I told, they were just kind of stared at me. They were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. And, um, and so anyways, when I went home finally on that last time to tell my dad, um, 
I got to the door, my mom met me at the door. And uh, she was like, your daddy's waiting on you. He wants to talk to you. I was like, okay. And I was a nervous wreck. And um, I sat down at the table, and he was sitting there, and big old tears filled up in his eyes. And uh, he said, are you pregnant? And I was just looking at him. And I was like, I couldn't tell him. I mean, I was speechless. I just couldn't tell him. And he said, you want to break my heart? That's the only way you can do it. And I could not tell him. Now, during this time, um, I wasn't as concerned about my heavenly father's feelings. I was more concerned about my earthly father. And once again, my earthly father is wonderful, but he is not going to be there when I meet my creator. Um, so I just left that day, and I cried the whole way back to school. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, the guy that so-called loved me, he was telling me the whole time, you can't have this baby. This is silly. I mean, you're going to ruin your life. You're ruining my life, da, da, da. And um, just every angle, it was like the enemy was attacking me. And I was so blinded that I couldn't even see the light. Um, and the main reason is because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't grounded in the Lord. Um. So anyways, I finally went back and uh, told him that, okay, I, I couldn't do this. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to hurt my parents. I didn't want to hurt my brother. And I, I did not want, I just, I couldn't keep doing this. And um, so he took me to Atlanta. And um, honestly, I don't even know where he is to this day. Um, sometimes I wonder if that's the Lord's way of protecting me. But then sometimes I wonder if it's just that I don't want to remember um, and when I got there, I'll never forget walking in, and the room was just filled. There were just women lined up around the walls, and acting like it was just an everyday event. Um, and I was, I was just a I was just a wreck. And uh, the lady there asked me if I needed to speak to someone, and I was like, Yeah, I need to speak to someone, and. Um, she started asking me why I was there and what I was going to do and, and what caused me, like, why did I end up coming? And I said, honestly, I don't know because this is what he says. This is where he's brought me. I didn't even know anything about y'all, and I can't hurt my family, and I don't want to disgrace anybody, and I don't know what else to do. And she just looked at me, and she's like, it's going to be okay. This is the best choice. And I came across that table. She probably thought I was crazy. And I said, I just started yelling. I was like, this is not the best choice. This is wrong. And how, why do y'all think this is okay? And um, so anyways, I, I went through all that. And then when we left, uh, he took me home, dropped me off, and left. And um, I just went out on my back porch. And I remember looking out. It was like real wooded. And I just was crying, and I just started praying and I was like, Lord, I don't know, I don't know what's happened. I don't even know how I got here. And um, I got my Bible, and I said, I don't even feel worthy enough to touch this or even hold it, but I need to know that you're in the midst of this that's somewhere. Even though I've made this foolish decision, I've got to know that you're here. And I opened up, and it was to Psalms 139, uh, and it's the all-knowing, ever-present God. And it said, Lord, you, uh, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed me 
uh, you have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, are you there? Uh, you are there. If I make my bed in Salah, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created me in my inward uh, parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned for a single one of them be, uh, before a single one of them began. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke, uh, who invoke you deceitfully? Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Um, and, you know, I tell people all the time that there's beauty in every situation. And sometimes you don't see it till later on, but that's not by coincidence that I opened the Bible up to that verse. Out of all the Bible, talking about God creating your children in your womb before it ever, I mean, before you ever even knew anything about it. Um, and I just sit there and cried. And I just felt just empty. I was. I was empty. Um, and so life, oh, it gets worse. <laughs> life goes on, and um, I end up taking him back like a dummy. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, he loved me again. Um, young girls, young boys, if somebody loves you, they love you not for what you can do for them. They love you because they choose to love you. Jesus did not, he didn't want, I mean, he chose to send his son to die for us. It wasn't like it was a good feeling. It wasn't like he was excited about it. Emotions are irrelevant outside of truth. Um, so anyways, life goes on, and uh, I end up getting back with him for about a year, and he was very verbally abusive, very verbally abusive, a um, little bit physical, not real bad, and I broke up with him. He moved off, and I was like, yo. Oh, Praise Jesus. I'm away from him. Well, he came back, and uh, I went right back. Um, and, you know, I, looking back, I think, what in the world was I thinking? Because that was so out of my character. I was pretty strong-willed, but he had a hold on me, and it was totally the enemy. It was a spiritual battle between Jesus and the devil, and I gave in. And you have choices to make. Everybody has choices to make in life. And God has plans for your life, but so does the enemy. And you have to know the difference. You have to know, is this from the Lord or is this from the enemy? And the enemy is not going to come at you 
like, oh, here I am, I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy you. No, he's going to come like a thief in the night. So it's that. I mean, he is going to come like, and look, make what's visual to the eye. Um, so anyways, I end up running off and marrying him uh, for six months. And um, he, it was awful. I mean, it was awful. Um, he would come home drunk all the time. And then I found drugs at our house. I didn't even know what it was. Still naive. Um, my parents were pitiful, by the way. Um, and then one night I was laying in bed. And I just remember saying, God, I really do not know. I know what I've done, but I don't know how I got here. How did I go from here in the world's, I mean, I'm talking worldly view, to here in the matter of two and a half years, three? How does that happen? And I said, I know that this is not what you planned for my life. And I know that I've screwed up numerous times. And I know that you showed me and I've asked you to give me signs and all this stuff. And you have and I have not listened. But I really, really cannot live like this. If this is the life that, that I know I've chose and if this is where I'm going to stay, then please change my heart, change his heart. Whatever has to change and make it work. I said, but if this is not and you have a better life for me, and I know you did and I didn't choose it, then please just show me and let it be bold because obviously I'm foolish. And it wasn't a few days later, I don't know, like not even a week, um, he came in and he had been drinking and I just told him to get his stuff and leave because everything there I had worked and bought anyways. Um, and he told me he wasn't going nowhere and he started cussing, yelling and screaming and I just started packing his stuff. And, um, and I don't even know how it happened. I just remember him grabbing me up by my arms and just throwing me on the, like shaking me and throwing me on the ground and grabbing me back up by my neck and hanging me on the wall. And he was choking me. I thought, okay, he's going to kill me. And everybody's like, you didn't fight back because I'm a fighter, by the way. <laughs> but um, I was like, I was in such shock, you know. And so that night when that happened, I was like, that's it. I'm out of here. So when he left the next day, I guess I, I packed all my stuff. And I called my cousin and my aunt, and I asked them to come and get me. And um, they did. And I went home. And um, I'll never forget walking back in my house. And my dad was, he was never home this time of day. So totally divine appointment. Um, I walked in, and he was standing in the back on the porch, and I walked out. And uh, he turned around, and he looked at me. And my dad hadn't really said, hey, hun, or anything to me in three years. Hey, we really didn't speak a whole lot. And he looked at me and he said, what is it, honey? And I just broke. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I, I'm dying. I said, I just really don't even want to live. I said, but I cannot keep doing this. And he looked right at me. And with big tears in his eyes, um, he said, Aaron, just come home. And that's exactly how Jesus does us. When you, It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Um, it's are you going to allow him to take over your life and what you've messed up use for his glory? And when you, when you uh, keep stuff hidden and when you don't want people to know about it, you really think it's because you're ashamed and you probably are ashamed to a degree, but it's your pride. It's your pride because you really don't want people to know the truth about who you are. But the truth is we're all nothing without Jesus. 
Um, so I ended up coming home, and um, it was a battle for a few months. He would call me and cuss me out, and then call me and love me and call me and cuss me out. It was just awful, and um, we ended up getting divorced, and I was so embar- I mean, that was embarrassing in itself because I didn't believe in that either. But I'll never forget laying upstairs in my parents' house, and I just said, God, I don't care if I ever meet anybody again. I just want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want my life to be totally focused on you. And if you choose to bless me, fine, but I am blessed beyond measure to know that you love me. And um, so anyways, time goes on, and um, I, I actually ran into Jason, and I knew Jason from high school. Um, he always wanted to date me, didn't you, baby? <laughs> and um, anyways, I'm just kidding. Um, but... Uh, we ran into each other, and I told him, I was like, I don't want to date anybody. I said, it's not that I don't want to date you, but I've just been through a lot, and I've got to get myself totally focused on the Lord. And, and he was like, that's fine. I'll wait. And I said, okay. And, um, yeah, we waited 11 months. We were married. Um, but uh, anyways, so we got married, and the Lord has been so gracious and blessed us. I'm sorry. With four beautiful children. Um, and a lot of times, people always ask me when I speak, they're like, what's your biggest fear? And it used to, I mean, I thought about it, but the older Callan gets, that my biggest fear is I won't have to share my story with my children. And... I would die for my children, and I just, I know God's going to take care of it, and I know he's going to, he's got it all planned out, so I just have to make sure that I pray against that with the enemy, because he's going to attack, it's just how he is, um, but I want for you to know what God has done, he has allowed me to go share my story with so many women, and so, so many people, um, and I've, you know, I've asked many times, Lord, why me? Like, why do you allow me to share this? Because so many women don't, because they're embarrassed or they're hurt or they're ashamed. Because I'm not proud of it. I'm thankful He has. But um, the Lord gave me a dream one night when Finn was little, and uh, I always knew my heart was to help women. I wanted to help women with my story. Um. And even men, a lot of times men struggle. A lot of times men don't, I mean, a woman makes a decision without the man's, you know, being on board with her or even knowing. Um, But I've helped some at the Women's Center. And uh, I had a dream, and the room was really dusk and dim, and it was in a big house, but the ceilings were low. And and I remember a girl banging on the door, and I was like, I've got to let her in, and you couldn't go outside because it was like killing, kind of like it would be when the Lord comes back and the seven-year tribulation, and you just didn't want to go outside. And people were like, don't, o- don't open the door, don't open the door. And I said, I've got to open the door. And I said, I've got to let this lady in. And so I went, and I unlocked all the locks, and I grabbed her, and she was naked, and she was a prostitute, and I was covering her up. And she was just crying, and she was like, why Why did you let me in? And I said, Jesus loves you, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. All he wants is your heart. He wants for you to, to just give him your life. 
And it literally went from that to sitting at a table out on our land at a big table and we were having a feast and there were people everywhere. And um, I was serving people, serving people. And then all of a sudden, I literally felt my spirit leave my body. I cannot explain it. And a lot of people probably think I'm crazy and that's fine. Um, And it was like I was going, I saw Jesus fill the whole sky and he was just across the whole sky. And I said, there he is, there he is. And I felt my spirit leaving my body going to him. And then people started going. And when I woke up, I was like, like this. I cried all day. I cried all week. I mean, I couldn't even, I was like, I told Jason, he was like, why are you crying? And I started telling him my dream. And, um, and it was just so real. Like I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. Well, long story short, I go on about a year or whatever, and I didn't know why the Lord had given me that dream. Well, I went into Grace downtown, and the Lord had given me a verse, Proverbs 16, 9, and it says, um, we like to plan our ways, but the Lord determines our steps. And um, I, I thought it was for my brother. I always thought everything was for him. I sent it to him, oh, I think the Lord gave me this verse for you. He's like, okay, Aaron. Um, but um, so anyways, I I get in there, and this lady walks in, and I'm talking to Susan that owns it, and this lady walks in, and I knew the lady, and she, she said, hey, Erin. I said, hey, and Susan said, y'all know each other? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, she said, um, I want you to tell her about your dream. And I was like, okay, because it was like a year before that. And um, so I start sharing my dream. I get halfway through it, and she starts walking towards me. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And she grabs me by the hand, and she said, Aaron. And I said, what? And she said, the Lord's just calling you to the ministry. I just started bawling because I kind of knew he was, but I just didn't know how, I was, how it was going to happen. And she said, he's going to take your life and your story, and he's going to use it to help a lot of women and a lot of men. And I just looked at her. I was crying. And she said, and there's this verse real quiet. And I was like, oh, God. And she said, Proverbs 16, 9. I about hit the floor. She said, that's your life first. And, you know, that was a divine appointment. And that day, the Lord, t- that is when, honest to goodness, I had been set free from that burden for a long time, but it's still hard. I was telling Brett today, I still have moments that I just, if I really dwell on it, that I could just crawl in a hole. Um, but I know that God's forgiven me and that I am, I'm not going to allow the enemy to keep me there because if you allow the enemy to keep you there with whatever your sin is, then God's not going to use you the way he can use you for his glory. Um, so anyways, um, that's basically it. But I'm just so grateful and thankful. And I want to read one verse that the Lord gave me this week in Ecclesiastes, especially for the young people. Um, it's Ecclesiastes 12. So remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Um, when, you're, when you're young, I know you think that life's invincible and that can never happen to you, but you need to dig into God's word and know where you, who you are in Christ because you can be grounded in all kinds of things, but if it's not Jesus, it's not gonna last. Thank you. And I know if you were to talk to Aaron, 
as she shared in her testimony. She'd rather not have gone through that experience, but God's using that experience to use her to touch some other people's lives and hopefully save some from going through that. And as Aaron read through Psalms 139, you begin to get a kind of a view of how God sees life, that God sees life as beginning at the point of conception, that it's not when that physical body is in your hands, but the Bible says that He began to knit together in secret in the womb before anyone's seen. And so God sees life as beginning at conception. And I think for people to understand the sanctity of life and to make the right choices about life and death, that you have to understand that God sees life as beginning at that point of conception and that God begins to knit that together and that God sees each life as being precious. God has planned out every life. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture in 16, it says before that all my days were written in your book even before one day began. And so God is already seeing every day planned out before a day has even begun on this earth. That's how significant the seeing of life at the point of conception is in the eyes of God. And that God sees each life as precious. That, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the precious thoughts of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that precious in the eyes of the saints, or precious in the eyes of the Lord, are the saints and the death of the saints. And so life and death is precious in the eyes of the Lord. But I wanted to give you this morning three guardrails to protect life. Protect your life from making a wrong decision to protect lives that can be born into this world. And one of those guardrails is plan how you're going to handle sexual temptation. That no matter who you are and no matter what age you are, sexual temptations are going to come into our lives. Younger, older. And you need to plan how you're going to handle it when it comes. One of the verses in this Psalms 139 that Aaron read says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know any anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I think that's a verse to read and ask God, God, what is my heart and what are my thoughts and what are my emotions? And when a temptation comes my way, because it is going to come to everybody, how am I going to handle it? Go Know how you're going to handle something. Erin, when uh, she shared her testimony and her dad also shared that day and talked about how that as he grew up, he, he loved to fight and he took karate and uh, he would fight anybody at the drop of a hat and he'd drop the hat. And, you know, over the years, uh, for those who have any studied anything, whether it's fighting or anything else, one of the key things is you know what you're going to do in certain situations. And that's true whenever temptation comes in your life. Go ahead and ask God, God, you know my thoughts and my emotions. Lord, how would I handle a temptation when it came? When my emotions get stirred, plan how you would handle it. And I can tell you the best way, and that is what Paul said in Thessalonians, or to uh, Timothy, and that is flee. When the temptation comes, flee. When the thought gets there, flush it out of your mind and think something else. But plan how you'll handle a sexual temptation and then place guardrails in your life that when those temptations come, that you've got some guardrails to protect you, to know not only how you're going to handle it, but what guardrails you're going to use to protect you in those temptations. And one of the things I believe that is the greatest things you can do, and that is put Scripture in your mind to give you strength. The Bible says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
And when you hide God's word in your heart, when it's your word and it's part of your life, it's going to give you strength. I'm going to ask that the musicians come and as we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment, God views life at the point of conception and He plans out all our days before we're ever born and each life is precious in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what sanctity of human life is. But I know the questions and the thoughts and the temptations are going to come to every person at different ages. And you've got to have those guardrails to protect your life and to protect the life of an unborn child. Plan how you'll handle those te sexual temptations. Place some guardrails in your life to prevent it from giving in. And then put those scriptures in your mind so that you might not sin against God. And know what you will do when that temptation comes to you. Lord, I thank you, God, that, uh, that even though Aaron would not want to have to go through that again and would not have chose that for her life, God, that she's being willing to be a, a vessel to make a difference in other people's life, to protect them and to help them from going through the same thing that she did. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bless the testimony of Aaron today and, Lord, that you would put it in the hearts and minds because it's not only the young people, but it's people of all ages that need to know how easily temptation comes and how easily it can sweep us up into the midst of the temptation. And then it can just tear our lives apart and take the life of others. So, Lord, I just pray this morning, God, if there's someone who has made a mistake in the past whether it's ended up in a birth of a child or not but have given in to temptation and they need some healing in their life because Lord I know even talking in Aaron even before the service those emotions come up because it takes a while to get through that healing and Lord if there's someone who needs some healing in this service today of things of the past Lord I pray God that you would do that healing today because Lord we know that your grace is sufficient and it surpasses all the thoughts of every man so God I pray you'll do a healing today Lord I pray you'll also do some work in some lives to help some people to be prepared when the temptation comes in the future and Lord to make the right decision that will make their life far better and protect other lives so God I just trust all this into your hands Lord I know that you anointed this day Lord, just the whole picture overwhelms me of Erin coming and sharing about her life, this being sanctity of human life, announcing that two families are expecting children. Lord, I know it's all in your plan, and Lord, your plans sure are good. So God, do a good work in some people's lives today, and it's in your name we pray.